1: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John ten ten. And today we continue in a series called "One" in this study of the Book of First Corinthians, where Paul speaks to the theme of unity within the local church. You know, As Paul encourages us to get past the baby food for baby Christians, it's time to mature and wean off the milk and get to the meat and potatoes. So what does that take? Where's the map to get there? How do we stay healthy in our faith? Well, you've come to the right place. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. Today is part two of the message called Pass the Meat. Pastor Sean is teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Let's pick up verse 16 and let's finish the chapter. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? He's talking about them in a a plural sense right now. We know he's going to talk about their bodies being the temple later on in the same book. But he's talking right now about in your gathering. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That's personal, but God's spirit dwells in your midst. There's something that happens in us. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. He's talking about this division. Nothing will destroy the community of believers, the place where God's spirit resides more than division. And then he says this, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think that you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. Well, that sounds like double talk. Verse 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Oh, that is so, you should underline that. You should remember that. That is a biblical truth. And by the way, if you follow Jesus and you've walked and you've experienced the world, you know what I'm talking about. You know what Paul's talking about. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. Okay? No more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. This is really important here. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, the present the future, they are all yours. And you are of Christ. And Christ is of God. He shares these thoughts on the temple. shares these thoughts on wisdom. And he says, why would you boast about a leader? And he kind of wraps this session. He's taken three chapters really talking about this ridiculous division in their midst. Why would you boast about a leader? You don't need to. You don't need to say, I'm a Paul. You don't need to say, I'm a Paulist. They're all God's servants. It's yours to take from. Learn from them. That's great. Just don't idolize them. Learn from them. Grow. But don't make it about them. Because the minute you make it about them, you are now taking your eyes off of him, off of Jesus. And that's where the real problems start. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you'd help us to hear, help us to understand what you want us to understand, and then give us the courage and strength to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. See, this whole passage basically begins with a call to maturity, right? Like the title of the message is, pass the meat. Because he says, man, I can't even give you solid food. I can't give you meat. You're like infants, who have to drink milk. And by the way, this is not a compliment. He's not complimenting them. You look so young. You look fabulous. No, he is not complimenting them. This is hard language. This is a little bit harsh. You're like infants. You're still sucking on a bottle when you should be having solid food, meat. But I couldn't give that to you because you're not even open to receiving it. See, this is a call to maturity. And in this passage, what I find interesting as I looked at this passage and started to break it apart a little bit, it's really three different movements, like three different stanzas or movements of a song, all kind of highlighting, illustrating, or showing us different aspects of the same idea. And here's the idea. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The maturity of Christ followers is best measured in what we produce, not what we profess. The maturity of Christ followers is best measured in what we produce, not in what we profess. Now, what we profess is important. Don't get me wrong. But we all know we have this amazing capacity as people to profess one thing and do the other. In fact, it's ridiculously common. And actually, it's, it's kind of messed up because we're, what we're professing, when we say, this is my profession, we're saying, I believe this. I believe that Jesus is the savior i believe that he is the way the truth and life and i am going to follow him i believe following him will be the key to life we say that i think that's a powerful profession but then all the time we do the exact opposite see our beliefs matter but understand real beliefs always change behavior you understand that right Real beliefs always change behavior. I illustrate this by just saying, if you really believe it's going to rain, and you're really concerned about rain, you're, oh, I've got an umbrella. That's how you know you really believe it's rain. And I'm I'm not talking about you forgot an umbrella. I'm saying, should I bring the umbrella? Should I not? Do I really believe it's going to rain? Do I really believe I'm going to need it? If I do, I bring the umbrella. It's just that our beliefs can always be spotted. What I profess is one thing. What I really believe will always be shown in what I do because I act out of what I really believe in my heart of hearts, not what I think I should believe, not what I wished I believed, not what I told my friend I believed, but what I actually believe. I'm always going to act on it, because it's just human nature. See, our maturity is best measured in what we produce, not what we profess. Now, three questions about this idea emerge from what Paul wrote. Why don't you write these down as we go? First question, what are you producing relationally? What are you producing relationally? Your profession is really important. But what are you producing relationally? You go, "Why why do you ask that? Paul didn't talk about that. Well, yes, he did. Why did he accuse them of immaturity or of being infants? Because of their division. And he used the word because of your jealousy, because of your quarreling. How you are treating each other. He's saying, this is the sign that you are not mature. You are treating each other with jealousy, quarreling, factions, dividing in these little parties. I want to suggest to you, you can tell a whole lot about a person's spirit by looking at the nature of their relationships. The nature of their relationships. And it's everywhere. We see it here at church all the time. You know, now I'm going to get to some real meddling, okay? So buckle up. And just know I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about that other person in your row. okay? <laughs> Comfort one another with these words, okay? <laughs> We see it in church all the time. I mean, there's people who come into River City and man, they've been at other churches and they know the word and they, you know, they know, I mean, they really, they they know the word, they know the right things to say, they know the right things to ask me about River City as they're considering and that's all good. But then you ask the question, well, why'd you leave your last church? Well, they just weren't preaching the word. Really? Why'd you choose it in the first place? And you'd come and find, they hang around for a while, and, you know, they're great for a while, and it's wonderful. But then somebody does or says something that they don't like. And, folks, I tell you this all the time. I need to keep telling you because we're just people, and this is just how it works. Somebody is going to say something that you don't like. Let me say it more strongly. Somebody's going to say something stupid to you if you hang around River City long enough. And, and I think River City's awesome. I think you guys are amazing. But you're people, okay? Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. We are people. And we're going to say something carelessly or we're not going to be thoughtful or we're going to say something stupid or we're going to be insensitive or something's going to happen no matter how hard we try because we're people. And I, I've watched so many of these people who profess to be so mature and who, whose profession is so good and polished. When someone topples them, all this stuff comes out. And it's not pretty. And they start talking to others. And then before you know it, they're, they're complaining about leadership. I love when people complain about leadership because that's nice in general. You don't know who leadership is, okay? 85% of the time, it's me, okay? But, but, but I digress. <laughs> it might be their, their community group leader. It might be a youth leader. It might be a... a a uh, Bible study leader, I don't know, but, but start complaining about leadership and, and all this stuff and start creating division. And before you know it, they're gone and they're going to go to another church because they're going to find a church that really does it right and really believes right and preaches right. And they're going to go to some other church, talk to some other pastor, and they're going to say, what, why'd you leave River City? Well, they don't teach the Word. And it's going to start all over again. I, I've seen it so many times. And what it is, is some people just have a hard time getting along with other people. It's not just church. What about our families? You can tell a lot about a person's spirit by how they're doing in relationships with their family members. How about work? We have a hard time kind of keeping a job and going from job to job to job because they never really learned how to grow up in this area of relationships and how to treat people well. I want to encourage you. This is such an important idea. This, this affects your neighborhood. You know that. That guy at the, at the Neighborhood Association meeting. You love those, don't you, Neighborhood Association meetings? But you know that one guy who just, it's like he exists to be a pain in the butt. And you're like, why? It's not important. Please, let us go home. <laughs> Point of order. Oh,
0: for the love of God.
2: <laughs> I just want to say, that's one of the reasons we do everything here at River City in community groups. I mean, we we believe it's so fundamental that you as a person walk in community with people you're committed to. We learn literally how to do relationships well. And you practice, and iron sharpens iron. You learn how to encourage and be encouraged. You learn how to support someone else. You learn how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. You learn how to give an apology, you learn how to forgive someone. You just learn how to do relationships and that's why it's so important because one of the great signs of our maturity of our faith is how it impacts our relationships with one another that's why paul in this section calls them children because they can't relate to one another just just drinking milk and you should be eating meat you should be eating solid food but you're not ready because you won't get past this thing The, the maturity of christ followers is best measured in what we produce not what we profess.
1: And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Pass the Meat. The series is called One, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount right now will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar. Podcast series in a devotional form encouraging you to embrace the spirit-filled life.
2: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
1: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Zaro today at Amazon or Real lifeorg And now the conclusion to the message, pass the meat. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: What are you producing relationally? What are we producing relationally? Second question that he brings up, what is your life building? What is my life building? This is a great, great understanding. Remember what he said in verses 12 through 15. If anyone builds on this foundation, remember what the foundation was? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation of our lives, of our fellowship, of our whole paradigm. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. What is your life building? You know, one of the things in scripture we talk about, and Paul writes about actually in 2 Corinthians, is the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. We understand as followers of Jesus Christ, we are saved and we will not stand before what is called the great white throne judgment, where it will be determined, where those who have rejected Christ will be judged based on their sins and whether or not their name was found in the Lamb's book of life is what the scripture teaches us. And we go, man, I'm so thankful as a follower of Jesus Christ. I am saved by Jesus. My sins are covered. My sins are forgiven. I don't have to stand before that. That's true. But 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10 tells us, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now understand this very clearly. Our salvation is in Christ, not in what we do or don't do. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians, you won't lose your life. But this idea of reward, this idea of the fruit of our lives, it doesn't mean that what we do doesn't matter. In fact, we will all give an account. And he talks about the fire test, which I think is interesting, because he talks about gold, silver, precious stones, The gold and silver, particularly, they are refined by fire. There are things we can invest in. There are things that we can do, build with our lives that will be refined. When the fire comes, when the pandemic comes, when trouble and trial and strife comes, the things that we build in the spirit, the things that we build in life that are eternal, will not only survive the test of fire, they will be refined in the fire. But then he also lists things like wood, hay, stubble. You know, how's he say it here in the NIV where we're reading from? He describes it as, what, would, how, how, what was the exact word he used? Straw, thank you. The idea is those things are going to go up fast. And it's this picture of what are you building? See, what we do in life as followers of Jesus Christ bears fruit. It bears fruit. And the Fire test, if you will, I want to suggest, is the test between those things that are eternal, temporal. Lasting versus not lasting. And the question is, what are you and I building with our life? And, and this is in every area. Stop and think about it. In our work, in our business, we have the opportunity to build something. And we can build something that is temporal, temporary, or something that etern- is eternal. I want to say to you, profits and products are temporary. People are eternal. I'm not saying profits and products are bad. You need to make a living. You need to make a product to make a living. But understand something. 50 years from now, 100 years from now, no one's going to care about the profits or the products that you and I made. Because they're temporal. People are eternal. So in the context of your business, understand something: yes, we want to make a profit. Yes, we want to have good products. But I'm surrounded by people. I'm surrounded by, by I, I have an employer I have employees, I have team members, I have customers. They are eternal. So at work, in my job, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be a missionary for this to be real. You have the opportunity to build something that is eternal, to invest in people who are eternal. God loves them, he created them. They will live forever, either with him or separated from him, according to Scripture. Don't ever lose sight of that temporal versus eternal. That's what the fire test is going to reveal. Is it gold and silver, precious stones, or is it wood, hay, and straw? How about your home? We care a lot about our homes. Again, go back to the homeowner association meeting. We care a lot about our homes. Your assets and your investments are temporal. Let me tell you what's eternal. Your neighbors. Your neighbors are eternal. Oh, but you don't know my neighbor. He's such a pain. Oh my gosh, she drives me crazy. Just remember, that is someone Jesus gave his life for, someone he loves dearly, and they are eternal. Our assets and our investments, I'm not saying they're not important, it's fine. They're just not eternal. They're not going to last the fire test. Okay? Nobody's going to care 50, 100 years from now. We're just not. We're not going to worry about how we did on that one little thing over here. What's going to matter is what's what we did with what was eternal. See, that's the question, that's the idea behind what are you building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He was talking about what Apollos was building, what Paul was building, but then he turned it to them personally. What are we building? See, the maturity of Christ's followers is best measured in what we produce, not what we profess. And last thing, and this is so important, and he talked about this here in chapter 3, but he had talked about it extensively in chapter 1 as well. Whose wisdom do you follow? Whose wisdom do you follow? Wisdom is a gift. And Scripture says God will give it freely. James tells us, if you lack wisdom, ask. And God will give it liberally. He wants to give you wisdom. But the question is, wisdom is a gift, but what kind of wisdom? Because remember, verses 18 through 20. He says, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you're wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools, so that you may become wise. In other words, so that you may really become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. See, what kind of wisdom? Whose wisdom are you following? There is so much that passes as wisdom in our world. Wisdom in how we treat people wisdom and how we handle business wisdom how we handle money and how we raise our kids and there's the consensus of what the experts say and so often there is what the gospel says and they are very different and we have to decide which wisdom we're really going to follow paul said in, in the first chapter first corinthians 1 he says for the foolishness of god is wiser than men and the weakness of god is stronger than men do you believe that The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. Do you believe that? Because see, that's going to be very practically tested like this week. Over and over and over again. And you'll have an opportunity to prove if you really believe that. For consider your calling, brothers. Now you kind of, this is a little bit humbling. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. This has just been true of the church predominantly throughout the centuries. Jesus says it's hard for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom. Not that they can't. It's just when you've got everything in the world and people are always coming to you and telling you how great you are because you've got a lot of wealth and success, the humility required to confess your need and to recognize how broken you are and how much you need a Savior is a little bit harder to come by. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing, things that are. So that no human, listen, here's here's this word again. So no human might boast in the presence of God. You notice he used that in chapter 3. No human might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, so that as it is written, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There is an arrogance of thinking, I can be wise apart from God's wisdom. Because understand, God's wisdom is based on the reality of the universe. And right now, all these areas that we divide over, okay, so many of them are simply, how do you view the world? How do you view the world? Do you view the world as there is a God, he is creator, and he has set an order in things, and our best and highest purpose is found in following him and his direction his order or do you view the world well there is no god man is the highest and whatever the experts say that's the highest thing how do you view the world because those are two completely different ways and they will lead you opposite directions every single time whether it's human sexuality you're like well what difference does it make if two consenting adults as long as they they care about each other why 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 is god so hung up about that why are christians so hung about that if it's not hurting anyone That's something we hear about same-sex attraction. Well, if it's not hurting anyone, it's not hurting anyone according to who? You say it's not hurting anyone. God says it is. God says it's hurting those people involved in that relationship because he created them for something greater. Well, but if they have a desire, really, every desire we have is from God? Just think about that for a minute. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And any of us who've ever had any crazy desires, and we all have, we've all experienced this, okay, just because I had a desire doesn't mean it's from God. But see, that whole thing, it requires that I understand there is a God. Well, but it's not hurting anyone. According to who? According to you, it's not hurting anyone. God says it is. See, that's the big dividing line. Now, if you don't believe in God, well then, okay, that's not going to really be very persuasive to you. But if you believe there is a God, you believe his word is true, and you trust him, we're going to be completely separate on this. See, we're going to have a totally different wisdom. Wisdom. I think it is wisdom to trust the creator of all things when he says, here's my design for sexuality. It is for a man and a woman committed in marriage. That is what sex is for. It is a gift. It perpetuates the human species by, by procreation. You get to partner with God in the creating of people. It is beautiful. Then these children get to be raised by beautiful role models of healthy male and female personality and healthy male and female qualities. It's the way God designed it. That's just what, that's way he designed it. makes sense if you think about it. But yet, no, 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 no. We, we have this other wisdom over here. And, you know, it's just, that's just not realistic. So we're going to invent a whole system over here where this works. This is wisdom. No, it's not. That's a made-up wisdom. It's an accommodation of sin. It is a wisdom designed to accommodate a worldview that, it, that denies God. And it's not wisdom. Wisdom is the plain common sense of saying, there is a God, this is reality, I'm going to align myself with reality and walk according to that. That's wisdom.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series called One, it's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our contact us page, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the donate tab at reachingforreallife.org.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.